Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We bring you the very best recorded panels, workshops, and seminars concerning role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible by the generous contributions of the panel speakers and double exposure with their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Episode 82, Kickstarter 101, circa 2015, recorded at Metatopia 2015, and presented by J.R. Honeycutt, Joshua A.C. Newman, and Chris O'Neill. Let me go turn the wrong. It is 9 o'clock. It is 9 o'clock. All right, Sue, so how many people are here for the panel on Kickstarter 101? How many people are here because you found a chair and it felt nice? One? None? <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, cool. Well, I guess leaving her. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to do, uh, we're going to introduce ourselves, and then we'll talk about some projects that we've done, and then we'll pretty quickly go to Q&A, so you guys can get something out of the panel that you wanted to get. Um, this is for y'all, so uh, no question is bad, no question is silly, ask away. If we don't have an answer, we'll help you find the resources to find the answer you need. Um, yeah. You wanna... Sure. Um, I'm Joshua A.C. Newman. Uh, I have done uh, four Kickstarter projects, I think. Uh, three of them were game projects. One of them was for a titanium bike lock that I did with an engineer. Uh, these are not Kickstarter games, as you might imagine, uh, but these are things that I'm working on right now, which you'll notice I'm also doing things that do not require any sort of substantial funding model, and we're going to talk about what happens, but Kickstarter isn't just a single process. It's like a big... It's a substantial effort, uh, and I'm doing that right now for things that you know, uh, require a couple thousand dollars at a time uh, or more, but not everything does. These uh, cost me less than a dollar a piece to produce, so I'm doing these these kinds of things too, and we'll talk about just why it's important to do that. But the uh, but my other projects are uh, Shock Social Science Fiction, uh, Shock Human Contact, Mobile Frame Zero Rapid Attack, uh, Mobile Frame Zero Intercept Orbit. Uh oh, and the bike lock was called Tiger T I G R. If Ooh. you want to look that up, it's fancy. Yeah, it was very, titanium. Yeah, it was a titanium bike lock. Would it have spoke bike lock? It, it, it was not. It was mass mass produced. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was actually mass produced right near here. Right, right. Because the joke is because it's for a yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's right. spoked. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tween spoked. That works. Tween spoked is just like like Twilight for bikes. Yeah, right. It glitters. Yeah. yeah. All right. My name is Jr. Honeycutt. Uh, I. I'm a person. Um, as a creator, I have had three games on Kickstarter through publishers. Um, I also have worked for a publisher through two quarter million dollar campaigns, uh, Pixel Tactics Deluxe and Millennium Blades for level 99 games, as well as a number of smaller campaigns to that company. Um, I host a YouTube show called Back It. done more than 100 episodes interviewing, uh, doing live 30 to 45 minute interviews with creators about their campaigns. I've interviewed Jamie Stegmeyer, James Ernest, Mike Salinker, a number of creators that way. Um, and I have prepared and run Kickstarter campaigns for conventions, as well as uh, consulted on helping other people do small games as well. So I've run from all the way from Kickstarters that were $500 to Kickstarters that were a quarter million dollars. Um, and I think about this stuff all the time. So that is me. And you talk about this stuff all the time. I do, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. And my mouth is already dry, so I might just get up and get some water here in a second. Do you have that? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. The, uh, my name is Chris O'Neill. Uh, I'm with a company called Ninth Level Games. We make uh, role-playing games oh, card games. Uh, so we make a role-playing game called Cobalt Date My Baby. We've been making that. I can! Uh, wow. Well, <coughs> uh, sure. Yeah. The, uh, uh, we make a role-playing game called Cobalt Date My Baby. We've been making that since the 90s. Um, we did a Kickstarter for that two years ago. It was pretty successful. We were happy with it. Um, we did a Kickstarter last year for a game called Schrodinger's Cats, which uh, is literally sitting in the port of Seattle. So hoping to ship that out. Um, you know, uh, we all back a lot of Kickstarters. I have, like, an addiction with uh, the backing yeah. side. Oh, yeah. So, you know? so I'm, like, over. I'm, I'm close to 200. Wow. Um, most of them games. Occasionally a film project. 
I still need a good dance project to fill my wheel. But we, uh, you know, where where it comes to Kickstarter is, is I existed in the game world before Kickstarter, and we made independent projects for a long time, and then Kickstarter kind of brought us back into the market because uh, it had gotten really hard for independents to operate, and then Kickstarter allowed us to take. Uh, what we were primarily just doing on a digital front when we got back into it, and make real books, you know. So, uh, and now real card games, and we have a couple of kickstarters coming up next year. So, um, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's like it's worth saying. I was noting it. You're going to build an audience now, right? Yeah, that's right. Back my stuff now. Um, but I, I think uh, you know, Jr. was just saying, you know, we could we could take questions. I'm sure the, the idea here, right? This is. The, the, the core of the idea of this panel is Kickstarter 101, right? So my assumption is almost all of you are like, I have an idea, and I would like to see that idea be made. And you have questions on that road, and we could probably help answer some of those questions. I've, actually, I've got a question for you first, which is how many people here with a show of hands, how many of you have run a Kickstarter before? All right, and th- this one went super well, and I don't... Know what you did. So this. All right, nice. All right, cool. Yeah. What, what, what game? Uh, it's called the White and Black Health and Gift Exchange. Okay. We're about halfway through it, and we're halfway funded. Um, but it's actually one of my questions was going to be: we're kind of in like the mids, the lull. Page views are down. Yep. You know, dramatically. You're refreshing kick track every day. What's that? You're refreshing kick track every day. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you know, what's kind of how do you push through that? Kind of wall in the middle where nothing's going on. You wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should, 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 we, should we go straight into Q and A right now? Yeah. I, should I, we do that? Because this is this is this is this is my so this is my opinion on it. And, and I, <laughs> yeah, I know so you, you've actually done some you've done some numbers on this, mm-hmm. right? But when you look at the curve of a Kickstarter, it looks like a Camaro. The <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, that middle piece is going to happen, right? And it doesn't matter how big your throughput is, right? right. It's going to dip in the middle, right? Because there are people that are seeing your Kickstarter. So, so you have your initial marketing push in the beginning, you, you, you would hope. People that you know, your immediate circles, that has that follow-on effect right away, right? The, the number one way that someone backs a Kickstarter is because someone else they know backs that Kickstarter, right? It's the, the number one piece. So when that first explosion occurs, it drifts out, and then you get into this middle part where now it's about trying to build market, right, that you need to have been prepared for before, because it's not magical, right? right? And then the end pieces, there's still, strangely, there's a weird number of people that only like to back projects at the end. There's a weird number of people that only like to back winners, Yeah. right? I know, I have a buddy, and I, you know, I won't say his name, (laughs) because other people know him. He, he only backs things after they fund it, right? <laughs> it's because there's a stat for this, because Kickstarter gives you your stat for un- like projects that funded for funding. Sure. Oh that would make God. so... That, I guarantee that's probably why he does it. No, 100%. He really cares yes. about... But there, there is another yeah. less less idiotic factor to that, <laughs> which, which is that uh, if I see something I really like, but I'm like, uh, I really need that client to pay my thing before I go around backing stuff, I need to make sure the check clears, you can mark it, and then 48 hours before... Right. Uh, it uh, you get a notification, and even that Camaro tail might start a day or so before, but um, that forty eight hours you see this big spike of all those people who are like, ah, oh, my check came in, now I can do it, and they've forgotten about it or whatever. Yep. So that is just like you don't want people backing your thing who don't have the money for it. Like that just makes a lot of people sad. Like you you don't need the money that bad by the time you're in that that uh, part that you're willing to take people's money that they don't have, you know, max out their credit card or whatever. And I, I literally had somebody who was sitting on a $600 reward level telling me that he couldn't afford it. And I was saying, like, like there's like there was like four of them or six of them or something and I was saying, get off of it. I, there's somebody else who wants that and you're just you're, you're, you're taking it away from some, somebody else and you're not going to get it because your credit card's not going to clear and finally, he was like, "Okay, okay, okay, I'll do the ten dollars PDF." And I was like, "That's that. We're all going to be much happier with Probably that." Probably the same thing, though, right? Which just six hundred dollars and ten dollars. It was, it was yeah, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. It was six hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was the only level that he was willing to like. Like, I'm not going to get the print book. I'm just going to get the ten dollars PDF. Yeah, yeah. 
we have dinner in a nice Italian place. Yeah. Um, I think to answer your question about uh, preparation, so first of all, you're doing the right thing, is you're involving yourself in a community in the meantime, which is great, right? You're not like at home freaking out, right? Like in your pajamas, just like panicking. How'd you sleep last night, though? Yeah. <laughs> the last week's been rough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the only reason to do that, so I, I've been thinking, like, when I'm doing tiny, tiny things like this, I've been thinking, like, what happens if I do, like, a $300 Kickstarter? Like, there aren't a lot of those anymore. Um, when Kickstarter started, there were a lot of them, and it, mostly because of mistakes, because people don't realize how much it costs to make something. Uh, so I've been thinking, like, what if I did, like, $300 in two weeks? Like, Maybe that would work, and maybe it would totally blow up, and like, all right, now I got better production values at the same cost or whatever. But what happens is, as you as you get past the supercharger and the Camaro, and and go past the roof, and nothing's happening. What actually can happen there is somebody finds out about something, and like Will Wheaton tweets about it, or Tycho tweets about it, or whatever, which is things that have happened to mine. And all of a sudden, instead of going dump dump, it goes dump 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 because that those people have a huge splash when they when they talk about something. But you can't fucking count on it. Last time, the last one I did, Intercept Orbit, which is about uh, sort of Gundam-inspired uh, spaceship battles uh, made out of Lego. Uh, the uh, people who had backed my previous one, uh, uh, Rapid Attack, which is Gundam-inspired Lego giant robots, uh, $15,000 of those people showed up in the first eight hours. I needed $30,000 to do this. Fifteen thousand dollars showed up in the first uh, in the first eight hours. Twenty thousand dollars showed up in the last forty eight hours, and like my my nails, I bit my nails down to here at this point. And I was two knuckles in, and uh, that's really awful because I could not catch any press because nobody cares about the second thing in a series. People like the beginning and they like the end, but in the middle, the second one's always the good one. Yep. No. In this case, in this case, the first one was better. I don't know how they knew that from the presentation. They're savvy backwards. Yeah. Um, so, a, a lot. A really good trick is to plan your updates before you start your campaign, um, so that you have. First off, it makes you more sane to understand that you have touch points when things will happen. You have dates when things will happen, so you don't have to panic so much. You can say, like, I already have a regiment. I'm good to go here. Uh, the second thing is that it gives you a chance when you're not under the pressure of the campaign to make strategic decisions about your campaign and your approach. Uh, and the third thing is that it gives you a chance to actually think about how you want to tease content and how you want to bring people in. Um, Jamie Stegmeier is the best at this, but uh, Randy Hoyt, who runs Foxtrot Games, is great at this too. Uh, he just closed out uh, World's Fair uh, 1898, 18, whatever it was, 89, whatever. Um, and he had the whole thing pre-planned and all of them pre-written. And at the end of the free update, he'd just like write in a paragraph about where they were, post it, and he slept during his campaign. Well, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and don't um, panic in that middle part, right. right? And send out a ton of updates trying to drum up because that just comes across yeah. negative, right? Yeah. Um, we had a guy here yeah. in the back of the menu. I was wondering how you set up your structure of the rewards and the reward levels. Is there any with on an increasing curve of profit to the project that's that's really the that's really the important thing those people who are giving you the most support should not not in fact be giving you the least support which you know you you get to the end you're like i'm going to custom build you a car and uh and it's it's not a good way to do it what you want to do is make things uh toward the end i think you want to do as few as possible but the ones toward the end should be the ones where people are just like, just tell me how to to support you. Right, and you say, you know, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's one of these. It's a thousand dollars because it's gonna take me, you know, three hours by myself making a, a bespoke thing. Since that's the word of the day. Uh, but but make sure that like that th- those at the end are bringing in, you know, are something like thousand uh, percent profit. Like like those should be really really strong because you wind you wind up leaning on that cash a lot because you're I promise you so so wrong about how much you think it was going to cost but you know I, I have a different I have a different opinion on that which is you know make sure that you know what things cost right mm-hmm. like the, the worst thing you can do to yourself as a creative with a Kickstarter is fun and not really know what you were doing yep right yep. because now you're you're responsible for delivering 
and you are not getting additional funding. Your marginal profit is negative <laughs> we, at that we, point. We aren't the video game industry where you can get halfway through a project and be like, hey, could somebody give us more money? Like, there, there just isn't. You, if you go back to Kickstarter, right, you, you've, you've, you've lost. You're done. Whatever, whatever feeling you've created, whatever community you've created. I actually want to say something really important, which is that uh, the rules governing the post office, thanks to our asinine uh, Congress, changed mid-project yeah. for me. And my shipping costs nearly doubled. Yep, that, and I've seen that happen. And, and I went to my people and I said, I just got totally hosed. A bunch of things happened with shipping and handling for me. And uh, anything you can chip in would be great. And people showed up with another $2,000, which, I mean, I wound up still eating a ton of that. Uh, but my shipping estimate went from $6,000 to $18,000, um, which is it's not uncommon if you're shipping books or something. It's really easy for you to spend $20,000 on shipping. Moving objects around is... The most expensive things are moving objects around and paying humans. Pay the humans... And move objects around, and everything else is going to be like the remaining fifteen percent of your, of your, uh, of your, of your. Shipping books is is pretty easy. Shipping things that aren't books <clears throat> is very expensive because you can always do media mail for books. If you don't mind fifteen percent of them disappearing, doing it again. Well, I mean, you know, it depends on how many you're making, right? At the end of the day, but but from a you know, like we we shipped out close to three thousand books on the Cobalts one for the first book, and we only had like eight. That we had to we had to eat we had to resend. That's really interesting. I, when I've I've had like eight on a, like a project of a hundred things. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's I don't trust media mail. Right, one, I, one little bit. It's much cheaper. Media mail is much cheaper. Books books are super easy to ship, um, and Amazon makes that easier every day. Where everything else is is really expensive, and shipping internationally is a nightmare. That. It's a nightmare. But board games aren't considered media, right? No. Well, you, they, they don't they don't fit in the media mail okay. yeah. mailers, right? Yeah. Media mail has a very specific type of mailer, right? So the post office sees this mailer and goes, "Oh, this is two dollars. Period. Done. Anywhere it goes in the country, done. You know, or two thirty-five." Were you also asking about how to structure rewards in terms of like how many and at what levels? Like, sure. Um, and I'm sure you have something to say about this too. Um, Go first. I think there's uh, the one dollar level, like the one dollar pledge level, is super popular. I'm sorry, everyone here is back to Kickstarter campaign, right? Like nobody has, like, has anybody just doesn't know the platform or like hasn't come back to it at all? All right, good. Cause we're, we're presupposing a little bit of stuff. Uh, the one dollar pledge level is pretty popular, and I usually encourage creators to, to have that because it gives people a way to like place hold back and get updates. So they can see if they want to spend money later. Um, but you I ask questions. What's that? You can ask questions. Yeah, exactly. Once you, once you and comment and everything. But I think it's important that your first pledge below that be the pledge to get your game. If that's what you're doing, it should be the it, it should be the main pledge right below it. Because um, like a little rule of thumb, it's not particularly scientific, but like the farther down you have to scroll to get the information that causes you to buy the thing, the less likely you are to buy it. Um, and I don't know to what degree that happens, but most people want to like get to the main screen, look, click, and go. Like, many people won't even scroll when they purchase. Um, if you look at Kickstarters being done by people that are, you know, five, six games in guys like, uh, you know, Stegmeier's Stegmeier, latest yeah. ones or uh, Ryan Lucott's latest one, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Ryan Lucott's done, like, six. Red Raven Games has done, like, six. Each each one gets bigger than the one before. This one has one pledge level. Yeah. Yep. It's the game, Period. I wouldn't right. recommend that for a first-time creator. No, 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 absolutely, yeah. I agree. But, but yeah. again, as you watch, it's you worth. Watch I still build. think it's actually worth considering. Yeah, it's worth con- like like how little do you have to add before yeah. it feels legitimate? And that might be like here's the PDF, here's the print version. Right. That might be like if it's a thing with you know a bunch of components. Like here's the thing, here's the thing with a bunch of stickers. Like keep it really, really simple. Yeah. Yeah. On the on the RPG side, if you did like. Give us a dollar because you want to know about the project. You know, give us X dollars for the PDF. Give us X dollars for the book. And then maybe an extended level beyond that, you know, that's like with extra stuff or, you know. And then if you want to do, especially if you have something unique, if you do that thousand percent level, right, which is really for the couple of super fans that are really in that really want to be engaged in your project in a different way. So... Yeah. Oh yeah. So I want to get back to the. Camera. No, wait, wait, wait. Somebody behind you was first. No, no, it was him. Oh, is it? Oh, sorry. Okay. 
Oh, yeah, just as far as uh, what thought goes into uh, how long you run it for. As short a time as you can. Um, uh, four weeks seems really good. Yeah. I, I mean, my advice has been begin and end on a Tuesday or Wednesday because that's when there's the most internet traffic. Uh, I've a, at some point that's going to become overcrowded, and then it will make more sense maybe to move to a Monday or something like that. Weirdly enough, Tuesday is the day that the fewest projects launch and succeed. Not mine. What Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. Matthew ran yeah. the numbers, and it's like a fifteen percent less chance to succeed on Tuesdays. Really? It's different for board uh, games, unless it's the Tuesday That's really after yeah. Yeah. to succeed. Monday. Oh, really interesting. Holiday, yeah. Which is the jam. So, like, the day after Martin Luther King's birthday, that's a super great yeah. day. Uh, I also had the, the last week of one of my projects was designed to be just after PAX East, which meant that I could I was at PAX East, and I gave out... I, I ran out of flyers, actually, a day in, but I was running demos, so I was having people just go and sign up right then and there, and I got a several days early uh, Camaro Tail. Uh, Roger Hicks, who runs Today in Board Games, which is a wonderful... Uh, it's a it's a conglomeration blog that reposts gaming content. So if you guys have to be like, oh, I want to get my games out to reviewers, today and board games is a great place to figure out who those games can go to. Uh, there's a, a sub part of that site that is board game stats or board game data It's one of those two things, uh, and you can search through all Kickstarter campaigns and get data for like how long the campaign was, did they fund, the average rate at which they funded, their first day success. It mines Kicktrack and the Kickstarter data to give you these really really cool outputs. Um, you can get like actual quantitative data to answer these questions to go with the qualitative stuff. Um, I don't think I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but I think make your campaign long enough that it's a pay cycle for a person who would be working. Cool. Right? Like if you do like an eight day campaign, somebody might be like, I really want to do that, but I don't get paid until next Friday. Right? So like it's tempting to be like, I'm doing three days and it's gonna be magic, right? <laughs> but like I'm, which happens. Let's do right? that. Let's do three day magic. I right, right. I'm into that. Um, and that was Jason Tegmar with Wildcats, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Wildcats. And that was uh, greater than games with Untop, with yeah. oh, deck builder right. and Untop. Yeah. Um, yeah. That requires yeah. a big marketing effort. You right. have to know your market and you're, yeah. and you're gonna go. Especially for someone on the new side, this is your first game. Right. You should be looking at four right. weeks. Right. But at the same time, you don't want you do not want to die in the middle of your campaign. Right. So if you go forty five days, you're going to have forty days of nothing. Right? You're going to forget to check your Kickstarter. You'll be so sad. Um, so don't do that either. Lo- longer than thirty days, it, it seem there seems to be no advantage. Agree. I, I just like like if the numbers not, say that, that that you know if you run something too short and you don't you know you you don't have a following or whatever. Your odds of success are really low, but once you are four weeks and longer, it's just you're running out of fingernails and hair. Like it's it's people uh, will forget that you exist. Yeah, yeah. when you yeah, look outside, there's, there's no of news our market, to. When you look outside of our market, there are some reasons to do 45 and 60 day, um, especially in like film or like big large scale art projects. Just catching media cycles because it's media cycles, yeah. right? It's a totally different thing, right? Mm. But in in our, in our world, it is. Are you new? What have you done for me lately? And you know, okay, now I can buy that. So I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any 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 reason to ever do more than you know four weeks. I've heard people say um, that they want to go 45 days because they want to give reviewers a chance to get reviews out. Well, if you think that, then just start later. But right? right. if you're looking at 45, just give yourself two more weeks to prepare. Go ahead. Uh, there was a question back here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it oh, most of the games I've backed had stretch goals? Is it okay to not? Do not do stretch goals. Okay. <laughs> I love stretch goals. <laughs> okay, a stretch goal is you say, all right, it takes me $10,000 to do this, but if I make $20,000, then I'll give myself more work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you have to factor that, right? Yeah. So like, so here's my, my thing on stretch goals. And if you make $19,999, then that is that could have been your profit or that could have been funding those things that you that when your shipping change cost or whatever i really think it's this i think it's a very bad idea starting out and i think there are clever reasons to do it once you know what you're doing but in a one one on one i i i actually i did one really weird one which is if we got to a certain degree of backing i knew that there were enough people who were into this and i promised something that i would make in the future Oh no! Right. No! I also have no! Say to have it done. So when yes, yes. Thing, yes. I never have it done because they'd be like, guys, the money you're giving me, I already had the product done. And all I need yeah. to do is sh- get the money to ship it to you. Even two or three years ago, there was still a yeah. a drive where it was like, I have this really cool idea that I'm working on. I want to get it finished, and I want your help. 
Yeah. Right? The market has completely shifted to that. If you are not done your game, right? Now, it doesn't have to be completed, right? You could still be working on art, but your game has to be done, your plan. Because if it's not, how do you know what it costs? Yeah. And if you don't know what it costs, you why, are are you side, why are you on Kickstarter? Right. right? You, you, you've already failed, right? You're, you're just spelling. And that's the thing about stretch goals. If you plan stretch goals as part of your piece, right? So if let's say that you had a campaign and you said, I'm going to create this piece and it's going to cost me $10,000. And at $10,000, I can cover shipping, taxes, production, art, everything else. And the Kickstarter fee. And the Kickstarter fee and the Stripe fee, right? So the 10% tax on the top, right? If that point, you could set, then say, what can I add to this that doesn't increase my costs and then allows me to make more of the product, right? And that's where a stretch goal should come in, right? Yeah. Like, so no, I, I'm in the role-playing space, so we can do stretch goals that are PDF products. It's not, it's costing me uh, development time, but it's not costing me another book, and there's and no if, marginal cost. Right, there's no, there's no increased marginal cost on each transaction, right? So if I do that and I said, oh, at $20,000, we'll do this, you know, 10-page supplement that's a stretch goal, right? There's a lot of people that are into stretch goals. They tend to back and follow and share because stretch goals are something that they can be a part of. They can tell their friends, hey, you should back this thing because then we'll all get this extra. Now, what we see a lot of now, right now, I just... Um, is there's a lot of people that are doing ridiculous levels of stretch goals and they just go on and on forever and you get lost in it, yep. right? And that's not good either. I, mean. it, I think the medium depends a lot too. And it's, it's um, I, I assume, first-time creator, multiple-time creator? First-time. Cool. So you're going to have a chance with your first campaign to establish your brand and create a set of expectations, expectations for your backers. Cool money or not, can't run a campaign without stretch goals. I mean, they could, but they won't because that's where they get so much of their buzz from, yeah. right? But like, if you're creating an RPG book, then you'd be like, what is your stretch goal? Extra pages? Well, that screws with your printing costs. It screws mm-hmm. with all these things, right? Shipping. It screws with and, your shipping costs because yeah. pages are heavy. Right. Turns exactly. out, when you're to in volume, pages are heavy. When you're talking um, about tenths of if you're, ounces, yeah, 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 yeah. you start to be like, oh, it, that's another ounce. Yeah, so yeah. two things real quick to finish up on this. Um, first is that before you think about stretch goals, you need to think about what your minimum viable product is. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's the smallest unit of your game that you could send to <laughs> That you, that you would feel comfortable saying, yes, my campaign is done and this is what my game is. Um, if there's a difference between that and what your finished product could look like, that's your room for stretch goals. Yep. And there are two ways that that can happen. One is um, a component quality increase where you turn uh, cardboard into wood, cardboard into plastic, things like that. The second is add new components. Adding new components usually means that you're adjusting the design of your game. You're adding a fifth player... Uh, you're adding new mechs, new monsters, new characters, things like that. Those are the things you can really run into trouble because it's really tempting to be like, oh, it's a five-player game, but here's a set of five new characters that are alternates. Well, here's five more. Did and you play test all of them? Yeah. Did, Did you, you play test them? Right. You Have you done the graphic design? Do you understand what the characters are? Do they fit your brand? Do they fit the game's theme? Like, and you can get yourself lost trying to get that extra, those extra 20 backers in a day. And then when you're done, you realize that not only did your campaign suffer for it, but also the game suffered for it, which is the worst case scenario. I, yeah. I, I, I want to give a little bit of a horror story yeah. here uh, about about your, your last question, which is that for the most part at this point... So uh, my first Kickstarter was in 2010. Uh, and at that point, my... God, really? Feeling, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Yeah. Decades ago, uh, right, right, in the in the previous age. No, it, it, it started years. That is like five decades. That's yeah. like two yeah. dogs worth of life. <laughs> <laughs> so my feeling at the time was, I'm going to fund this as soon as I know, as soon as I can't keep myself from finishing this project. So that was that was Human Contact in this case, uh, which is this Ursula Le Guin Star Trek mashup of social science fiction. Thing that I'm still really, really proud of. It's, it's the, certainly the best book I've ever made in my life. So there was a point where I was like, I can't stop thinking about this. I have to keep making this. And this is the time for me to use this Kickstarter platform that I just heard about. And uh, so I worked on it for a couple months. I was like, all right, I know how to adapt this system that I've got. I know these kind of things that I can do. I've talked to an editor and, and uh, illustrator and stuff. And I went forward and... Uh, the project wound up being marginally profitable. I mean, in, in the in the end, it was profitable. The Kickstarter didn't turn me into a whole lot of profit because I wound up because it was this passion, this this object of passion. Um, 
it, I wound up producing, I did really, really high production value. There's lots of color, um, this beautiful, glossy paper and, and all this stuff. It wound up costing a lot to produce, and I couldn't really keep it in print after a few years. <clears throat> but it did wind up uh, being profitable on the whole. When most recently, I was sort of doing the same thing where I was taking Mobile Frame Zero and I'd known how to adapt these robot rules to spaceship, spaceship rules. I said, all right, I'm going to do the same thing. I've run some play tests. We basically figured this out. I'm going to start this Kickstarter. I know how to do my promotional stuff. The guy who's designing Lego sets for me has enough information to, to make uh, plausible game pieces. Uh, two things happened. One is I was wrong about how a rule worked because I hadn't play tested it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and the other thing uh, that happened... Oh, really? That's uh, the worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was... I was there was a there's a thing when you're using dice you're dealing with probabilities and that means you're assuming a certain number of die rolls that this is going to be statistically significant and I was wrong about how often something was going to happen I can't actually remember oh I remember what it was right it was it was that uh, doesn't matter the uh, I don't want to think about it anymore so so what happened is and this will happen to a shockingly large number of people in here is you realize oh, shit, I just made a big mistake. Now, this was a mistake that was deep inside enough that people might not have really realized what was wrong. It had it just it literally had to do with probabilities over multiple games. But it did mean that, oh, I don't know, a third of players are going to be like, I don't know, I didn't have a lot of control over things. It wasn't a very fun game. And, like, it, it was, it was going to be a bad product. It wasn't necessarily going to be bad press, but nobody was going to be into it. So what wound up happening is I sort of pushed and pushed and pushed myself to sort of resolve this project. And the idea with this is this is basically an adaptation of existing thing. This should take me four to six months. It took me 18 months to work this out because it was profoundly depressing to realize that I'd fucked this up so bad. And that is a big endorsement for having your design ducks in a row. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, that time, that's not just months. Like, this is my job. That's, ba- that's me not getting paid for a year. Like, that's really, really bad. I, I got really close to just being saying, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I, that, that was it. That was my shot. And, like, now I'm back and I'm designing stuff again. Basically because I finally just pushed and I said, this is going to have flaws. It's going to be, this is my, I mean, this is the nature of all things. You say, I'm accepting whatever flaws I've left here because it's an imperfect real object. It's now on its way on a boat over from China and is about to arrive in Seattle and then it's going to go out to a thousand people. You can be friends with Chris's kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're, probably, they're probably on the same boat. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go here and then... You know. So I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm doing a alpha test of another game. Um, the, the question that I have is how soon into the actual process of game creation should you start laying out the Kickstarter, given the fact that it's important to understand how far everything's going to go? I start thinking about it right away. Yeah, but part of I don't start laying it out, but at, this is so weird. We're, we're timing, right? And, and now we're not just thinking about, oh, this is a good game we want to make. We say, oh, we can kickstart the shit out of this game, right? right? Because the idea is different, right? If you are a large-scale producer... Right, or if you're going to a publisher with your game, all you're really talking about is the game. Whereas Kickstarter is a marketing platform, right? Do you have a story about the game that makes it interesting? You know, are there reasons why you could do this on Kickstarter that you <coughs> couldn't do in another way? So that you know, so it really depends on the kind of game and what you're doing. But. I, yeah, let me follow up, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to have a super cool story about this. Um, <laughs> My the job that I have right now, I do uh, full time design and development work with Rob Davio. He's a designer for Legacy Betrayal at House on the Hill, um, and we're doing development work on a game called Seafall, which is a, a giant big box legacy game, kind of like Merchants and Marauders, Age of Sail, Indiana Jones style stuff. Um, and Rob worked at Hasbro for fourteen years, and now is an independent creator. Um, and he says when he thinks about a game, he's immediately like, okay, what's it going to cost? How long is it going to take? Is it marketable? Can I pitch it? Who can I pitch it to? Because if he spends three months working on a game that he ends up can't selling, it's like what you just said, right? Yeah. That's his job. Suddenly, he's got to work three more months to catch up. 
Um, so it really depends on how, I don't want to say professional, because that word has a lot of different meanings, but like how engaged do you want to be, how seriously taking it. First off, and I don't mean this personally, but in general, your first game won't be very good, right? Like the first game you design won't be great. And that doesn't because you're not great people and not great designers. It's because this is a craft and you have to hone it, right? Um, I've made Cobalt date my baby 15 times. Yeah. <laughs> I really have. And what We've I mean, sold yeah. it like four times. So. What, I mean, what I mean to say by that isn't That's that you won't do well. Right. It's that the process for getting your game quote-unquote ready for Kickstarter will take longer than you think. Yep. So yes, you should be thinking about it, but I don't think your first time getting it ready for Kickstarter should be your primary motivation. I think your primary motivation should be make a good game that you're proud of, and then as you get to the point that you start to become proud of it and you're doing shows like Metatopia or Unpub or even going and showing at the Double Exposure booth at Gen Con and other conventions... As you start to get a good reaction and you start to realize consistently people are having the experience you've tried to design for them, that's when you start to say, ahead of time, some kind of infrastructure, like, hey, here's my business card, here's my website, follow me on Twitter, join my newsletter. So you can kind of update people on the path of your game, and that's when you start to build a previous existing audience for your content, and that's when you can start to think about Kickstarter. So if you eventually want to go to Kickstarter and you're sure of that, try to design a game that would generally fit those parameters, but don't focus so much on that that you don't get enough work done on your game, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, and don't be disappointed if you've got to scrap it and start over because it happens to everybody all the time. Yeah, that's mostly what I do is just I mean, just taking this out. So I go through one of these about every six months, and it is almost entirely ideas that turn out to be unsustainable in some way or another. Um, right now, I am trying to design a bunch of things that are probably best done as card games, but they're pretty weird. So I have one with a bunch of, like, you put stickers on cards, and uh, so you're sort of making stats. So it's a legacy game. It, uh, it came out of a conversation <laughs> with Rob, actually. Yeah, yeah. so you put, you put stickers on things, like you put, you're applying paint jobs to, to spaceships by putting transparent spaceship uh, things over paint job cards and st- sticking them down and stuff. While I'm thinking about this, I was like, alright, I've got a basic algorithm of play. Is there any way that I could sell this for $20 or less? So, like, even before I'm finishing the finishing the design, I'm like, this might just be a, a terrible waste of effort. Like, the, but, but it, it's, it's an... It, uh, yeah. well, my, it, my new website, if you haven't heard Bespokegames.com. Bespoke.com. That's right. Oh, that's the, good. Uh, Jocelyn, what about, like, color forms? Then the stickers aren't permanent. Uh, that's actually that's actually what I'm trying to do is, okay. is stack stickers. Yeah, I'm working on an alternate reality, virtual reality interface <laughs> where you can tear things in virtual space without doing it in real life. <laughs> yeah. no, that no, sounds really stupid. No, um, yeah. wait, wait, I actually hold on. I, I actually want, want to say one last thing about this. When you're working on your first thing, do it as simply as possible with as few manufacturing processes as possible. Preach. And uh, because you, I promise you, you're wrong. Like by the time you get to your spreadsheet for your uh, Kickstarter, like uh, by the time you're you're there and you're saying, now now that I know all of these things, I'm still twenty five to fifty percent wrong. Like like you you need to get to the point where you're so confident you're one hundred percent right that this is right, and you're still saying I'm twenty five to fifty percent wrong because who knows what's going to happen. Um, so keep it simple. Do like printing is a technology we have really good hands on. We know how dice work. Like you know, keep it down to the, the that kind of thing. Yeah. We, got, we got four in the queue. Fingers? Yeah. yeah, no, I, we're, yeah. We're. What's the, uh, the best way, you think, to, like, the schedule of things? Like, I know there are some people who, they still work on the product while, uh, after they got the Kickstarter finished, like, they still uh, work through things. Like, do you have to have the finished project ready to go to printers by the time Kickstarter is done? Or uh, how, how have you guys handled that? It depends on your game. It depends on what you're doing, right? Like, so our I've first game was a series of, of, of role-playing and, and a lot of expansion product for that. So that went over two and a half years, right? That was the piece. The second game was a card game, and we were done the game, but we had a lot of art stretch goals, right? It was, can we, can we afford more art? Can we buy more art? So we did work after that, and so that's an extension. I can tell you my next, my next game, it's completely done, and I'm the... Would you like to buy this game on Kickstarter? Those are your <laughs> options. Yes, yes, I would. You have to have that, uh, like, you know, planned out and uh, uh, communicated to the audience before like, Kickstarter is done. Like, hey, this might be done. Not be out yet for another year. Yeah, I meant to say. I mean, again, if you really look at the market right now, you'll see that most of the, especially board games, are yeah. done. You're hitting send. The, right. The, the moment that the thing closes. Right. Uh, for your first campaign and. 
unless you already have an audience, and I assume that nobody here runs a million follower Twitter feed or blog, <laughs> which or really something. helps. Right, that helps a lot. If you want to just fuck, make whatever you want to, put it on Kickstarter and you'll fund. Um, I think it's really important to establish early on that you're professional and you know what you're doing. And the way to do that is to deliver a good project that is as close to what you said it would be as quickly as you can while allowing for delays. And delays will happen. You won't know what they are. They're unexpected. You have no idea. But your project will take you three months longer than you think. It might be because something happens to you, something happens to the manufacturer, something happens in shipping, something happens with the product, a law changes. It's Chinese National Week, which right. occurs like yeah. every other week. Right. <laughs> Chinese New Year. Do not right. try to get your project shipped in February yeah. if, if, if you're having it manufactured in China. Or, or, in or Boston. Or in September. <laughs> right. um, so I also think as a, as a, as a, as a creator of content, because once you run to Kickstarter, you are no longer just a board game designer or an RPG designer. In fact, that's like of the things that you do, that is not the first one, right? You are a community manager, you are a content creator, <clears throat> you're a marketer, um, you are a project manager, you are a shipping manager, you're a communications manager. Yeah, if you're a shipping designer, the, the very bottom very of different that things. If you're not ready for that, I mean, like, if you're not ready on day one with maybe a 5% exception for stretch goal content or maybe to add in something you think of, don't launch. Do not hit launch. Especially your first do time. Do next week. Right. Yeah. Do it, yeah, do it next Give you some time. Because... Like, you have as many weeks as you want to before your project, but once you hit launch and your project ends, your clock is ticking. And even if you think you have the time, you don't. And every day that goes by past your, your, your initial target, that's your brand, your brand taking a hit, right? And if you're thinking about kickstarting as a medium for multiple projects, you've got to think, you've got to think about that ahead of time, right? All the days before the project are all yours. Afterwards, they're not yours. They're your customers, your backers. Do you guys factor in that uh, contingency of 20% or 25% of the production costs? Yeah. In, uh, in, of in what cost? Of time. Uh, into the production cost of the game. So you were talking about, like, you're going to be wrong. We only have that spreadsheet. Yeah. So do you factor that in? Do you actually? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, think about where you put it in. Like, like it, it, you're, you're saying, I need to raise this much money, which means that you're going to not get 10% of that. So you need to get raise uh, 111% of that so that, that uh, Kickstarter and Stripe get their cut. Uh, it's um, I mean, the spreadsheet is, here's a bunch of things that cost, here's things that I don't know, right. like, like, like here's, here's money that I've budgeted for illustration, but it, like, it, it turns out if, it, this is just these little things about doing a book, like, crap, this book ends on a right-hand page. What am I gonna do oh to bump God. that? I need an illustration, and sometimes I'm like, I, sometimes oh, like, can I? <laughs> right. Um, I, I mean, I really like the way sketches look, so sometimes I'll use uh, the artist's original sketches, and I can move stuff around. But you're like, I need to commission some filler art. Like maybe that's another hundred bucks, but if it's a big enough thing, like every goddamn chapter and ends on the right. Why, why is this happening to me? Like I, now I need 20 pieces of filler art and that's just because of like, that's just how it, you know, it's a 50% chance that half the pages will end up on the wrong side. So if you're talking about doing a 20% fudge factor, I would ask you then you don't know your math, right? Right. Because it's, you know, we're creatives. We're all creatives, right? That's why we're here. Like, there's nobody at Metatopia that's just like, I like business. Creativity is dumb. Um, uh, that was me, actually. <laughs> I'm here. I'm a businessman having important business important meetings. Important business meetings. That's right. Um, you take your shirt, there's another shirt Actually, actually, actually. <laughs> you take your shirt off and there's a tie, a white shirt. Steve <laughs> Bonacore is here, so. Is, is, is he? Yeah. Is he all business all the time? He, he's that guy. The, uh, but the, but the reality is, is this is a business at the end of the day. Because the moment you say, I'm going to go to Kickstarter to create a game, right? You're saying, I am a publisher, right? And, um, you know, there's some there's some people that have gone that, and there's some people that can actually give you some good. Um, Nicole's got a good story about that. Doug Levinowski's got a good story about, like, hey, I want to be a publisher. Oh, no, I want to be a designer. I'm done. I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. You can find that article, Publishing is a Hob, Not a Hobby, at nerdstable.com, yeah. which is my website. Nerds, I'm sorry, nerdstable.blogspot.com. The Nerds Table is my review site. Nerds. So the thing is, is like when, you, when you're factoring, like, um, like so for the last card game that we did, our, you know, it does kind of help that yeah. my team is, you know, our day jobs are 
in the, the real world of business yeah. and numbers, right? So, so our projection, our forward projection spreadsheet for costs actually factored everything against what our expected fee. So we started at 1,000 copies of the game, 1,100 copies, 1,500, 2,000 copies, 2,500 copies, 5,000 copies. So we were able to actually go through all that piece and say, here is that point where this is what it's going to cost us, right? And then where that factor comes in, you know, is about how many games am I making, right? Because it's a big difference if it's uh, $2.50 a product, uh, you know, a product or two twenty-five from a manufacturing perspective, because we already preloaded all of our art and editing and all those kind of costs, so then it became about the things that everyone always forgets, which are shipping taxes, right? People forget taxes all the time. At the end of the day, Kickstarter is revenue. Right, if that's your name or your business, and it isn't even revenue yet until you deliver, it's it's not well, re- it's not yeah. revenue until yeah. <laughs> it's all revenue unless you. Uh, so if you let's say you your um, your Kickstarter ends on December fifteenth, so all of the money shows up on your account on December thirty first, and it's fifty thousand dollars, you're actually expecting to take like two thousand dollars out of that. Um, but now you earned an extra $50,000 in 2015. Right. That's revenue in 2015. Yeah. And so now you're paying at whatever your tax bracket is, which more or less eliminates the money that you just got from <laughs> Kickstarter. Like now you have to do that on because it's in addition to, if you're not like me and have another job, it's in addition to that. So you're in this tax bracket and uh, you've just lost a huge amount of the resources that you needed in order to do that. In order to to so spend all your money before the end you of the year. Spend it in the year that you get it. Right. Not necessarily. It depends on your business. Uh, yeah, I didn't. If you actually have a business. Unless you're a money wizard like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to an accountant who knows about Kickstarter. <laughs> Don't just get an accountant. Get an accountant who knows about Kickstarter. Because I had one who literally just gave me this absolute blank st- stare, and she fucked me so bad. Like not nice fucking. This was this was very bad fucking. <laughs> And uh, uh, so, so ask them about Kickstarter and see see if they give you a blank stare. One hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gray sweater. Oh yeah. Um, two So it's like the. Let's what was about the first question? First one about fail. Oh, do, do, do you have? Do you have? I have yeah, a piece of statistical information. Yeah, go which is that it has no bearing. If it fails, what happened is nobody yes. heard about it. It's okay. Right. Like it, I'm sure that's demoralizing. I, I, I actually none of my Kickstarter projects have failed, but when I look at the numbers, it has no this bearing. Is this is for you. <laughs> you should be demoralized. Feel demoralized. <laughs> well, I, I'm demoralized by my successes. I'm sure the, the, the failing to fund is going to be. But but the um, but when you look at the numbers, if something if it fails to fund. It really is fine. Yep. People come back and succeed, or they come back and fail again at the same rate as if they'd never done the first one. There is there is no zero non-existent. There does not exist a stigma for failed projects. Yeah. Backers do not care, and in fact, the only way they're going to know that you've launched this project before is if they click on your profile and see that you've previously launched the project. And probably what they're going to do, if they're taking that much time to look through your stuff, they've already backed your campaign and they're about to. Right. Um, however. You can prepare yourself after a failed project. There's a great series called The Road to Relaunch that Doug Lewandowski did. There are blogs about exactly this topic. Jamie Stegmeyer talks about this in his blog. If you guys don't read Jamie Stegmeyer's blog, go to Stonemeyer Games and read the Kickstarter blog about that. Yeah, set aside one whole day. Right. Do nothing but read that blog. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, uh, Jamie Stegmeyer. It's Stonemeyer Games. Stone, M-A-I-E-R, games.com. Um, and if you just Google "help me Kickstarter," help me, you'll find that. Um, <laughs> On the flip side, just just because I, I saw a lot of people write that down, the flip side of that is James. Is it Matthew? James Matthew is right? great. Also, M A T H E James mm-hmm. Matthew. His uh, blogs are about the hard numbers. Yes. Right, and they're the hard numbers, not just of what day you should launch your Kickstarter and all that. There's a lot of information. It's 
Here's what manufacturers cost. Here's how retail works, yeah. right? And he writes oh, really well bad. to, especially to new James people, Matthew, to say, hey, what you need to do is you can read each one of these things. Like, oh, stuff is this is what the world playing uh, market looks like. This is what the board game market looks like. This is what the game market This is what illustrators cost. This is what, you know. So those are huge. Stonemeyer and, and, and Matthew are huge, huge, valuable pieces. Have you guys read Jamie's book yet? Yes, I have it in my backpack. Okay. I have not. Um, I want to. I'm sorry. Uh, speaking to audiences, um, you nailed it. It doesn't matter. Like you will not have a project large enough that you'll be speaking to a certain audience. You're going to be speaking to people who have a dollar and clicked on your link. <laughs> um, so, and I think that if you try to make it for a certain audience, all you're going to do is lose the other 99% of people that could have had it. Make the best game you can. Make your campaign something that would appeal to anybody to look at it. And once you have a larger audience, like you know what I mean? Though, yeah, like, I'm going to completely disagree with you. But well, <laughs> sorry. When I say anybody who would look at it, what I mean is like people who will be in that environment looking for that type of content in that way, right? Yes, yes. That's the thing is that, right. that you figure figure out you have to figure out who you're talking to. And if, for instance, if you say, all right, let me think about this from a client standpoint. I'm going to target this at, at clients. Then I'm going to go talk to therapists because a therapist no clients, right? That that that's that how your social network expands that way. Uh, and B, it's not like therapists don't think about what it's like to be a client. Like, that's your job, right? That's literally your job is to think about what it's like to be them. So I, I, uh, I always say, you know, focus on whatever the niche is. And actually, the narrower the niche, the better, because that's... We're never going to get to... We're, not, we're never going to exhaust the market at our, at our level of market. Like, I'm still... Uh, what is it? Three or three years on, I'm still finding people who have, who are in into giant robots, Legos, and wargaming who have never heard of my giant robot Lego wargame, and they're super excited about it. Right, right. That's a crazy <laughs> Venn diagram. Right, so we got ten more minutes. I know we have a question here, here, Can and I just here. Say about about failure and success. Um, the two things that we were the most afraid of in our Kickstarter was one failing and two before you push the button you're like oh my god I hope this succeeds then you push the button you go oh, oh my god shit, what have I done succeed. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> as soon as it succeeds you're like I'm so excited what have what I, I done, done? Yeah, 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 yeah. so it's great <laughs> I, I have a thing that when we get to five minutes left I want to ask us five minutes okay yeah, so, so, we, so we have five minutes we have three questions try to go real fast um, what do you guys think about uh, Kickstarter videos and the structure for like in the internet? Absolutely required two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes? Or less. Or less. Or less. And be, be like charming, show your thing, ex- ex- explain why it's cool. There's this right. Kickstarter video I saw where the guy was expressing his enthusiasm, but by the end I was like, what are you What are you doing? Like, you keep telling me it's going to be awesome. What is it going to be awesome? Like, it's uh, just a word. Don't teach your game in your Kickstarter video. Teach your game in a how-to-play video further At down the your bottom page. Of it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It should be, here's 15 seconds about the parts of this game that are new and cool and why you should back it. Here's 15 seconds about me. Here's 15 seconds about the history of this game and the story behind it. Click the back thing. Show the art. Go. Right. Okay. Good audio. Lots and lots of Good audio. Yes. No one watches the video. People watch 15 seconds of the video. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It's a, I have, I've watched like three videos of the like 100 Kickstarters I've backed. Yep. You still need a studio. I watch every one of them, and not having a video means I instantly go away from your page. Yep. yep. Now, yeah. they, now yeah. they auto play, so I'm forced to watch them. Yes. <laughs> your life is hard. There's a Freeze HD <laughs> channel that has all these great videos that people are doing. It's called Freeze HD on YouTube. Oh, cool. And okay. It's like things you never knew existed. And it's a whole series, and they just grab these and run them. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you do it? It's the channel. Great space, capital H, capital H. Have you found manufacturing costs are negotiable? How do you build trust with... Is working with the CIA negotiable? I, manufacturing costs are not negotiable, but they are shoppable. Right. Yeah. Right? So there are many manufacturing partners. They all offer different strengths and weaknesses. Um, the James Matthew blog that I talked about actually has a great grid that says, here are all the manufacturers that work in and the... Minimal print run, their discounts. Right. Yeah. Minimal print run, you know, where you can expect, where yeah. do they ship, where do they print, right? Because there's a difference. Is it printed in the U.S.? Is it printed in Germany? Is it printed in Canada? Is it printed in China? They all have strengths and weaknesses, right? Um, Who has that James Matthew? Yeah. That's, the, I think it's just jamesmatthew.com. I think it is. Yeah. M-A-T-H-E. James, M-A-T-H-E.com. Um... The, uh, uh, the big thing, this is where 
your as a as as a consumer of the manufacturer's yeah. work, right? Your dial is how many copies, right? Because you should be getting better and better discounts, you know, per unit as you go up. If you're not, you're with a very bad manufacturer. Matt was supposed to be on this panel, and he's not here. And he can definitely talk manufacturing. He would have just costs. said QPC games. He would have said, call, call me. Here's my card. Right, right. right. Everybody in this room would have a card. You'd be like, yeah. are you kickstarting? Are you kickstarting? I know that uh, marketing your game before you launch is really important. How much money do you allocate to that, and what have you found is good and bad? Do not do money marketing. Don't pay for ads. That's all parasites and leeches. Like, like, what you want to do is do things like this, and you want to be generating fans, not just eyeballs. Advertising almost doesn't work at this point, and it's because it's of negative consumer value. That's the reason people pay to block it. Uh, I'll only say that advertising can work if you've already established a brand that people will respond to. It's possible. It's possible. And it's still not a great expenditure yeah. of resources. Yeah. Especially for your first game, yeah. your, your time should be spent getting your game in front of people that will review it, right. spending time at events like this right, so that you can get that game. The most important thing is is someone played your game and goes, oh, that was cool, right? Yep. Record that's them. Gonna, yeah. yeah. Put that in the Kickstarter video. I'll see this. Get them, um, get them to Facebook here. Yeah. A, a mid-sized blog that gets a few thousand clicks on an article from their followers about your game is much more valuable, particularly if it comes with pictures of them playing your game and a link you can put in your Kickstarter campaign. That is much more valuable than paying $500 for Facebook advertising or for other advertising through channels. Um, and there are lots of free reviewers. Don't pay for reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds. <laughs> dozens to hundreds of them. Don't pay for reviews. Yeah. Every day there's more. So we got five minutes left. JR, you have a question for the panel. Yeah. Um, well, Josh wanted to do Twitter handles, which is a great idea. Yeah, and I wanted to ask a question. Who here is using Twitter? All right. So for those of you who aren't, you're making a mistake. Like that, 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 it, it, Twitter is a way to be at a cocktail party where sometimes people are like, oh my god, I, I, it's you, I'm a huge fan. If you're not doing that and you're on Facebook, Facebook is not is literally calling out those those interactions because it, do, it doesn't recognize that they're valuable. It has algorithms that tells you that it figures out when to interact with you. Facebook is an awful marketing tool in my experience. Uh, Twitter is where you go to sort of hang out in a conversation and where you get to watch things happen. So yep. we are. What's your handle? Uh, at All Hail King Tour. All Hail King. All Hail King Tour. I am at J A Y A H R E. Phonetically, it spells J R J A Y A H R E. Also at Waitress Games, which is a mostly inactive one. Somebody's got to. Yeah. J A Y at J A Y A H R E. It should be at Money Wizard. That's great. I know. There's no way Money Wizard isn't taken. At Bespoke. Are you checking it? Yeah, we're checking Money Wizard right now. Thank you, yours. Yeah, there's no way it's... Uh, all Hail King Tort. A-L-L-H-A-I-L-K-I-N-G-T-O-R-G. A-A-L-L-H-A-I-L-K-I-N-G-T-O-R-G. That's like the full 15 letters. You it, is, it is the complete... Oh, <laughs> you filled it up. What was yours? Uh, I, oh, <laughs> you. Uh, J-A-Y-A-H-R-E. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I have a bunch of different accounts that I run. My life is hard. And I'm uh, Joshua A.C. Newman. It's all... Mine is so that people can remember my name. Newman. <laughs> Newman, yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, so a question there's for us. A, there's a Money Wizard 2. Take it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Money Wizard Two is a question. I want to put out. So, you guys, uh, who here is? We only had two that have run a Kickstarter project before, and I want to give us a chance to address this because we may not have during questions. Um, going, just do this this way. Um, something that you think a first-time creator needs to know before they launch that oh. they wouldn't otherwise figure out. All right. So, this is the thing that you need to know before you launch that you otherwise wouldn't know. And we're just. You know, we're not we're not spreading this beyond this room. This is secret information, <laughs> right? People are awful. <laughs> <laughs> not you people. Not you people are great, and not the people that back my stuff. Right, but other people. The it is very, you know, the internet is a dangerous place, and Kickstarter is on the internet 
once, right? So the number of times that like someone will be like, I gave your thing a dollar just to tell you that I don't like your game. <laughs> why did you do that? You just ruined my weekend. Yeah, like, why, why are you awful? Or... Uh, like for my first, uh, our first Kickstarter, I had a, I had three guys that spent the entire time being like, "Why isn't there a hardcover option?" And it was like, "Here's the math. If I do that, I make no money. Oh, but I only use hardcovers." Well, then fuck you. Don't buy my game. It's not that hard. I'm making a product, but you like to buy it. Uh, that just means that you're like just, that. you're just pre-selling on Kickstarter. Oh, you pre-selling bastard. That's you know, right. The, uh, so I mean that. The thing is, is you're, you're going to encounter tons and tons of, of people that are just awful, right? But the thing is, is you're going to also meet so many super cool people. The community aspect of Kickstarter is so awesome. The, the person that gets excited about your project that you've never met, like when we did our Schrodinger's Cats, we had a girl who was obsessed with the idea that we were giving out a, a lab coat pattern to make a little lab coat for your cat. And she was she was our champion in the market. It wasn't it wasn't even Nicole. What now? It is, it is I that. I harass right. all of my friends though and said follow them on Instagram because if you do, we if we get a hundred Instagram followers, they're gonna make they're gonna give this out. Right? I have posted my friends in real life. <laughs> I was like, are you on Instagram? Add this account right now. <laughs> so I, you know, but that that is a thing, and, and um, you, you have to be prepared for it. Yeah, right. You have to be prepared for it. Yep. All right. Um, very simple piece of math that will save your life your first time. Look at your funding goal. Look at the cost of your game. Figure out how many backers you need for your game to fund at your core pledge level. All right. Take that number. Look at one third of it. Make a list. Do you have the names of people who will be your first one third of your backers? Will they back on the first 24 hours? Do you know who they are? I'm not saying you should go ask them specifically, but do you know your backers well enough before you launch? If you're like, oh, I have like, you know, I have like 100, I'm going to need 400, eh, okay. If you have seven names and you need 500 backers to succeed, you're not ready. Go make more friends, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not wrong. No, no, wisdom true. of the money wizard. Right. Go make more friends. Like, like it is so critical to your first time launch that the people who already know you and already believe in you believe in your product and get you going. If your first day you get like 8% funding, you're dead. You're done. You're done. You're done. You can work your ass off in the next 30 days, and you're going to end at 16%. You've got to hit 30 40% on day one. You need to know who those people are. Right? What's the guys that have a, Is it the Meeple mechanic that has the... That is Daniel Zayas. It's been renamed the Smarter Backer, and it is the, a brilliant website. The Smarter Backer yeah. has a great set of... Uh, Kickstarter do's and don'ts. Sort yeah, of. and it's kind of a rubric, right? Like, right. here are the ten things that we look at when we look at a Kickstarter. If you do not fall into these, you have made a mistake. And if you reach out to Daniel, he'll give you, like, hey, this is what you're missing, this is what mm -hmm. you need to do. He'll give you checklists, which are great. What was his last name? Zayas. Z-A-Y-A-S. Also, I will, I will tell you that you will have unexpected backers. Like, my best friend from first grade. <laughs> I hadn't talked to her in years, and she messaged me, and she's like... My husband's super excited about your game. I hadn't like seen her since her wedding. Yes. She's like, we yeah. backed it, and then she, she like sent me pictures. And it was amazing. She got married in first grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. My most unexpected backer was a guy that I worked with at like a, you know, a, on, on a contract in DC like ten years ago, and he like sent me a thing. He's like, yo. I saw that you're doing this role-playing game thing. I still have no idea what it is, but, you know, I gave you $50. All right, guys, that's awesome. I it's adorable. People come out of the woodwork. I, I work in a, in a university, and we were in a newspaper, and he called me up, and he's like, did you know that you're in the newspaper? <laughs> and I was like, what? I, like, acted like I didn't. We're actually over, so I'm going to give you my, my really boring, yeah, sure. extremely important piece of advice which is sit down with a spreadsheet and look at every single thing, every single line item. The first line item is, how much am I going to get paid for this? Yeah. Because this is your job. You're a publisher. That means you get paid to do this. This is not your hobby. You are not paying to do this. You are getting paid. You are turning a profit, and you're going to pay taxes on that profit. So 
include those taxes. I mean, include those taxes in everything as you go, but include those taxes in that. And then look at, like, this is what I'm paying. Like, like, put all your people first. Make sure your people get paid. Make sure your objects get moved around. And then look at piddly shit like the $30,000 you've got to pay for printing yeah, or whatever. Make sure people are and your people. Yeah, right. Your- yeah, you are, you are a people, and you need to eat food. Yeah, Every no. day, we we, did, we didn't say that at all, but I 100 percent agree with Joshua. Yeah, yeah. Everyone and there's there there's actually a negative pull on Kickstarter right now where people are doing projects where they're not trying to make a profit. Yep. Right. If you don't make money making it, you can't do product, the next one. You can't do another one. Yeah. Don't do it. Right. right. If you sell a game that should cost twenty five dollars for ten dollars, you're making it harder for all the people. That are trying to make a game for twenty five dollars because that's what the game should cost. Yeah. yeah. If you do it for ten, I guarantee you you're going to lose your shirt. Maybe you personally can afford to lose your shirt. You have a lot of shirts, right? But that's fair. Uh, I don't. That's That spreadsheet is going to tell you answers you don't want to be true, but the spreadsheet doesn't have an agenda. It's it's just <laughs> telling you the answer that's and the do what it says. And when the you get to the end, money. say that answer I'm already uncomfortable with. It's only seventy percent as big as it's supposed to be. Also, can I add? People no. are going to people are going to cancel their pledges. A lot of people are going to toward the end. Pledges. Yeah. Some of them are going to cancel after the Kickstarter actually yeah. ends. Yeah. 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 So people are not going to pay. It's true. They're not going to get that money. So people are awful. How ice cream? About ten percent. Yeah. When you get a cancellation, you are going to be sad. I was sad with every single one. For context, Nicole Klein, uh, co-owner of Cardboard Fortress, successfully kickstarted a resistor earlier this year, uh, which was an amazing success. Over almost forty thousand dollars in Kickstarter. No, no, it was twenty-four. Oh, but that's almost to it. Uh, sold the game to a publisher. Ended up running a print run of five thousand copies. It's now on retail stores everywhere you go. So yep. did a great job. Uh, I'll be doing other panels this weekend. If you guys come, I'd love to answer more questions. If you see me walking around and I'm not in the middle of playing a game, feel free to walk up and tap me on the shoulder and ask me questions. I love to answer questions. Yep. Um, do not feel bad approaching me and saying hello. Please introduce yourselves. I'd love to talk more. All of these things are true for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm around. I'm actually on another panel right now about how to give and take critique. So stick around if you uh, want me to tell you to cut it out. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I think it's here. Uh, I don't know. Um, Avi said she just turned it on. They had.